0: Three in our summer series entitled Simplify. Today we're going to talk about a biblical concept. I was surprised how much it's mentioned. Uh, and that concept is contentment. Or the reverse of that would be to be discontent. I begin with uh, something from about and five uh, I always felt a little bit like John Wayne when uh, when I get my flip phone out you know and then I'd open it up and you know it's about as close as I'm ever gonna get to having a holster probably uh, but this this was like this was the deal to get the uh, the flip phone uh, the razor Motorola if you could get that it it opened it clipped your belt you, you felt kind of Kind of like, wow, this is good. Way better than that lousy beeper I carried around for several years. Uh, Because the beeper would, the pager would come, and then you have to go find a phone and figure out uh, who's paging and what the problem. So, telling you what, when I had my razor uh, about 12, 13 years ago, I was one contented pastor. Wow, it was was good, right? Uh, uh, Until... Someone showed me this newfangled thing uh, called a, an iPhone, okay? And uh, I, I didn't really understand because I was still really content with my flip phone. Um, and then they started showing me, well, this is actually what they call a smartphone. Oh, okay. There you go. Smart. Well, what does that mean? Well, you can actually text and it's fairly easy. Like, you could do that on the flip phone. Uh, but I wasn't ever able to master that. So that's just honest. So, But, oh, it has an actual keyboard, and you can have email come to your phone, and you can even call up the Google on, on this. It's it's kind of cool. And then it has apps, and you, you can check the scores for things, and you can read the news. It, it's, it's all here uh, on this one little gadget called an iPhone. And, and suddenly... Uh, something I was quite content with, my flip phone, (laughs) I I started growing fairly discontent. Isn't that amazing? Because now I, I knew this was out there. I needed to get me an iPhone in order to be content. So I went and I stood in line, and sure enough, I became the proud owner of an iPhone 3. Okay, isn't that wonderful? Yes, yes, and and I was going along really well. I was one happy camper of a pastor uh, until one day Rick Carlson, I'm throwing him under the bus right now, uh, he showed me this plus size of a phone, and and just look at this, look, it's it's double or more uh, of what, the screen size you could actually read two paragraphs at once instead of once when you read in the USA today uh, camera or oh, way better camera uh, speed was so much quicker, and the battery life was twice as as good as the old one. Suddenly, I was pretty happy with this, <laughs> and then now i 'm starting to grow a little discontent with my early small little itty bitty iphone you understand uh i needed to get me an iphone plus need to get the big boy and and i stood in line and sure enough uh i am now the proud contented owner of an iphone apple 8 plus i'm happy but but here's the problem, <laughs> I just know it's a matter of time before somebody shows me their new iPhone 9 or 10 or 11, 12, 15, I'm not sure, uh, but when I see all the amazing free features of the new and improved iPhone, what's going to happen to my contentment level? Tell me, tell me what's going to happen. You're going to wave goodbye, yeah, yeah. And and I just want you to know, right now, I'm so content with this. But just don't let me see your your new 9, 10, 11, 12, 15, because I know what's going to happen. Corporations, advertisers, marketers, listen close, spend billions of dollars to make us feel discontent. We're missing out. (laughs) I don't have the latest and the greatest. I don't have all the new shiny features. I don't have the the better, shinier, faster, improved product. And sure enough, I'm not happy anymore. Just want you to understand, we're kind of on this hamster wheel that keeps getting faster and faster and faster, and I'm chasing after newer and better and shinier and easier. And I gotta have this gizmo, and I gotta have that gadget. And if I don't have this new brand new truck, I just can't live. Gotta have this car and this boat. Gotta have this golf club because I can hit ten yards further. I'm sure. (Laughter) I fell for that one, too. (laughs) So, locate with me on your iPhone 8 Plus or whatever. Maybe you're feeling discontent with your small little itty-bitty one. Uh, Or turn with me in your Bibles, that's good, too, to Philippians chapter 4, where the Apostle Paul shares with us the secret of contentment. It's pretty cool. He says it's it's something that is a secret, but he shares the secret with us this morning. Isn't that good? So we're going to learn what the secret sauce is to contentment. Would you stand with me if you're able? Philippians chapter 4, we'll start in verse 10. We'll read down through verse 13. Let's read together. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Let's pray. Lord, we confess that contentment in our day and in age is a challenge. Living in one of the wealthiest nations at one of the wealthiest times in history, Lord, the stuff. Things are always appearing on our radar. We just acknowledge that. And for us to be content with what you've already blessed us with is a challenge. So would you show us today from your word what the secret is? Would you teach us today what the secret sauce of being and staying content is all about? And Lord, uh, I'm praying that this will go beyond just uh, a learning, something to file away in our brain exercise today. Lord, I pray that you might make us hungry and desiring to actually put your word into practice. So would you give us that desire? Help us to not know how to be content, but actually to live out starting today and tomorrow and the week ahead. Would, would you show us, and might we put it into practice, being a doer of your book? So, what we desire. Like we do every Sunday, we invite your spirit, the spirit of your son Jesus, to come and be welcome today in your church. And Lord, we always understand you're always everywhere, you're God. But we also know, Lord, there are times when we don't welcome you. So we invite you. Take charge in your church. Take charge specifically in our individual lives right now. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one united voice, you can be seated work our way through. Philippians 4, 10. The Apostle Paul is writing to his friends in the church at Philippi. It's a thank you letter. Really the purpose for the book of Philippians is Paul is saying, thank you. Thank you for your gift of money that you've sent to me to help me while I'm in prison. Prison? Yeah, Paul had been imprisoned in Rome And now his friends in the church at Philippi, a church that he was used by God Almighty to establish, they're sending him a gift of love. Verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last, not a very good thank you letter, you might notice, at last you finally renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you didn't have an opportunity to show it. Okay, so he's saying, thank you. I just want you to know I appreciate you showing your love for me once again. Make sense? Verse 11, he continues. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I've learned, Paul says, to be content whatever the circumstances. Two key words here. Learned. And content, you might write this down if you're taking notes, and uh, if you're challenged with contentment, like most of us are, it's a good thing to remember, contentment is something that we must learn. It's not something you just naturally get on your own. It's not something really that that you can learn uh, through a book. It's something that you learn through experience and you apply Not something just to be, oh, now I know how to be content. No, if you really know how to be content, you're putting it to practice in your everyday lives. Contentment isn't found in circumstances. Contentment isn't found by having everything go your way. Contentment is found on the inside. Contentment is an attitude of the heart and the mind that isn't contingent on circumstances being wonderful. It's an attitude that's independent. It's not swayed. It's not controlled by life situations or struggles. Now, let's just remember Paul's in a prison cell in Rome, and uh, he tells us, I've learned to be content. I've had to learn this, this ability to be content, whatever the circumstances might be. Look at verse 12. He continues. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. Now, let's just talk for a moment. Paul was born in a wealthy family. He was born in Tarsus. And we know he studied under Gamaliel, and he was born with Roman citizenship. He was the lead persecutor and prosecutor of followers of Jesus. Do you recall that? Paul was admired and envied, and it was at the pinnacle of power. And now, from that height, Paul is chained to a Roman guard day and night. Paul is awaiting trial. He's got no privacy. He's got no dignity. He's running out of money. He's awaiting trial before the Roman emperor Nero. We know eventually he was going to lose his head. He was going to be beheaded. Paul, the worldwide ambassador for Jesus, confined in chains as he writes this. Okay? He's got little food, little money. He doesn't know, am I going to be released? We know, no, you're not going to be released, Paul. It's going to end poorly, at least poorly physically, but you're going to get to go be with Jesus. Okay? Verse 12, Paul tells us, I know, I know firsthand. I know by experience, I've learned through life and experience that I've been through. I've learned to be content. So just stop for a moment. Well, when are you content, Paul? When exactly are you content? What does he say? Look at verse 12. I've learned to be content in any and every situation. (laughs) Well, what is this contentment that you're talking about? Here's a good definition. Contentment is accepting from God's hand what he sends my way. Contentment is, I know, Lord, that you're always out for my good, and I trust you. That's contentment. You've never failed me once, you're not going to fail me now. So how do you do it, Paul? How on earth do you get the strength and the power to keep trusting Jesus, look at verse 12, in any and every situation? Where does that power come from to remain content when you're hot and hungry and scared and tired? The secret to contentment, catch this, is found in one of the most well-known verses in the Bible. And I would argue one of the most misused verses in the Bible. Guess what the secret to contentment is? Verse 13. I can do all things. I I, I can do this. this. This hard, prison, hungry, hot, scared, Inconvenience thing. I can I can stay content is what he's saying. I can do all this all of this hard situation through him. Who's the him? What do you think? It's Jesus Christ, right? I can do all this hard stuff through Jesus Christ, who gives me the strength to stay content. Isn't that amazing? That's what that verse is talking about. He's talking about us. Through the power of Christ living in us, staying content. The situation's not good, but I can stay content because the power to stay content is living. Followers of Jesus, where does Jesus live? Where does he take up residence? The moment you say yes to Jesus, Jesus is living in us. Jesus in me, Christ's power alive in me, keeps me content. Got that? It's Jesus in me that brings contentment. It's Jesus alive in me that enables me to stay content even though the situation's not good. We can face any and every situation that life may bring us. How can we do that? Well, Jesus is walking at our side. Jesus is alive in me. Jesus is alive in you. Do you understand? How can we do it? We walk, we daily stay connected, we abide with Jesus, we allow his spirit to flow and fill us daily. And through Christ's dynamite, you see Christ's power? I I have the power, that's literally dynamis, the Greek word, we get our word dynamite, Christ's dynamite living in us enables us to stay content, whatever the situation here's something on your worst day you and I can be content is that not amazing on our worst day we can still be content because I'm trusting the Lord you know what you're doing I might not understand it I might not like it but I trust you Lord I'm not sure if I'm gonna have a job next month but Lord I'm content because I'm trusting you Lord my marriage is rocky and it could crumble but I'm still trusting you Lord, uh, my health is beginning to fail and I don't feel well, but I'm trusting you. My friends are mocking me because I'm not participating in the sin that I used to involve myself with them, but I'm still trusting you. (laughs) Lord, even though I want the bigger, better, shinier version of that next product, you know what, I'm trusting and I'm I'm praising you for the blessings of what you've already given me. Verse 13, look at it. I can handle whatever situation and remain content through the dynamite power of Jesus in me. Do you understand that? What's the secret to contentment? It's the dynamic power of Jesus living in us that gives us the ability to stay content whatever, whatever we face. I'm going to give you four real quick uh Helps, suggestions, tips. You, you pick your favorite word there from God's book. So, so how practically do we stay content, okay? Here, here's the first one, and it's based right off of that verse. Whenever you start feeling discontent, starting to rise in your life, When you you feel like, and I'm not happy right now, and I'm not satisfied, and I'm feeling a little whiny on the inside. Anybody besides me have that happen like uh, most days? Yeah, okay. Uh, When that starts to sneak in, um, I need to uh, quickly run to the Lord, and I go out loud okay I'm learning and if you're around me and if you listen in you listen into my office door or listen in around my house you're gonna hear me out loud say Jesus I need your strength right now because I'm getting pretty whiny uh, I'm getting pretty resentful I'm pretty feeling pretty discontent right now uh, I'm feeling like I'm a second class person because because I, I I really want this new shiny thing. My child is pushing my buttons and I want to trade him in for a new one. Um, I need a better job. I need more money. I need that newer, shinier car or truck. Whatever it is, uh, Jesus, give me the power right now to push those feelings away. Did you know you have the power to do that? You're not a slave to that old discontented, ugly thinking. And that's huge. You got to know that, but then you got to take action. Uh, Second suggestion for extinguishing discontent. We're going to go to a different verse. Hebrews 13 and verse 5. Hebrews 13 and verse 5 says this Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content. Just pause for a moment. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content. Um, we must work at, we must strive, we must make it our goal not to love money. Because money is the root of all evil. Is that what it says? First Timothy 6.10? Some of you know that's a trick question. No. What's, what's the root of all, of all kinds of evil? It's the love of money, okay, is the root of all kinds of evil. So, Let's just make this clear, though. There is a direct link between love of money and things and not being content. So when I'm loving and chasing after money and what it can buy, pretty soon I'm not happy. Pretty soon I'm all about getting that next thing and I'm not happy. So, so again, according to this verse, I need to say, Lord, help me to be satisfied and content right now with the blessings that you've given me. And I just want you to know, Are we not a blessed people? (laughs) Right now, if you never get another thing, are we not a blessed people? Wow. (laughs) So, Lord, help me to see money as a tool. Because that's what money is. It's a tool, Jesus, that you've given to me that I can accomplish your plans with the tool that you put in my possession. That's what it is. Um, Last part of Hebrews 13. Go back again, verse 5. It's interesting. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. Here's what it says. Because God has said, God has promised, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Bet you didn't know that was on the end of that don't love money, be content verse, did you? Okay? There's a reason, there's a connection here. Are you ready? When the bottom drops out of your life, when the diagnosis is terminal, when the divorce is final, when the bankruptcy is declared, Jesus says, oh, by the way, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I'm going to walk through that trial and that trouble with you. Every step of the way, I'll be at your side. I will never leave you, look at it, and I will never forsake you. Now, We're in a discontented world, we're chasing after shiny, new, fun, faster stuff, and then suddenly now I don't get what I'm after and I'm discontent, you see where problems arise? But remember, look at verse five, here's what you gotta remember, we've got a good shepherd and he walks with us when the pastures are green, when the waters are calm, when I got the new shiny thing in my pocket, But more importantly, he walks at our side when? When the valley is dark. When death and evil surround me. Here's what Jesus says. You ready? Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. (laughs) Got to remember that. Because family and friends and people and jobs and that stuff leaves. Sometimes at the worst time. Never. Has Jesus forsaken you or me? Never will. That's not an option. Never. That's something you can hold on to. It's huge. Fourth and final way to extinguish discontent. Colossians 3, verse 16. This this is an underlying worthy verse, I might uh, suggest. Uh, Here's what it says. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, As you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. Pause. One of the greatest ways we have to get gratitude in our lives, and I would argue you fill your heart, your mind, your lips with gratitude, it's going to push out discontent, is through singing Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, spirit-filled songs, um, and you don't just do that on Sunday. If you're only singing to Jesus on Sunday mornings, you're missing a powerful blessing. Okay? Uh, but I don't sing. We'll make a joyful noise. Okay, uh, You and Jesus, you'll get along fine. He doesn't care whether you got perfect pitch or not. Sing anyway. Why? Because it's a command here. Saying and gratitude is the result. Now, here's how I do it, okay? Now, <laughs> I beat up the phone today pretty good, didn't I? Okay, this is a tool. This is a tool. It's how we use it that determines whether it's a, a good tool or a helpful tool or a harmful tool, okay? So, if, if you have your phone, get your phone out right now, okay? Go ahead. Yep. I'm unlocking mine right now, hopefully. Oh, Siri just said, what can I help you with? Can you open my phone, please? Yeah. Uh, here's, here's, here's Jeff's uh, get out of my way because you got an old, ugly, mean, ornery attitude. Here's my playlist. And uh, here's the song right now that is very helpful to me. It's the day camp song. And I've got um, right now two hours and six minutes of music for Jeff when he's in a bad way. Do you understand? You should have two hours and six minutes of music for you that's Jesus honoring and glorifying, that builds gratitude in your heart and your mind and pushes out discontent. I'm just telling you, today there's no excuse for you not having that with you all the time. It's available. And I'm telling you what, It brings thankfulness to my bones. And for me, most days, at some point, I got to get out my playlist. And I got more than one. And some are good for some situations and others. But I'm just telling you, I need the message of Jesus and worshiping Him. And it drives out that discontent. Some of you just need to erase some of your old garbage music and get the Jesus music on your playlist. That's just a P.S. I didn't even have that on my notes. <laughs> Final thought, and we conclude. This is from Benjamin Franklin. Ready for this one? Contentment makes poor men rich. Discontent makes rich men poor. It's huge. <laughs> just telling you. Friends, staying content very well might be the fight and the challenge of the age we're living in right now. The advertisers, the marketers, they're spending billions to make you discontent. I have really good news. Jesus in you, Jesus in me, that's the power to drive out discontent. Aren't you glad we have Jesus? And Jesus is enough. Nothing else... Jesus is enough. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for myself. I pray for my friends here in your church that we might learn and trust and depend on Jesus' power on the inside of us. When things are great, circumstances are wonderful, you're with us. Thank you for that. But Lord... uh, to know that you're right here with us when the bottom drops out and things are awful. We praise you for that. Thank you for never leaving us or forsaking us. You've never failed us once. Lord, would you help us to see money as a tool that we can use, Lord, to advance your kingdom and your church? Help us to root out any pockets of love towards money and stuff. And Lord, my prayer is this week you might help us to use praise and worship as a weapon to extinguish discontent. Lord, I I pray that we might all get a playlist that will just bring gratitude and praise to you and discontent will be washed away. And now, Lord, as the ushers come forward, we're going to receive a benevolent offering. And we're grateful for this opportunity we have to give to those around us, our church family. We're also grateful we can help out and reach out to some of those in the neighborhood, in our community, who are in need. Lord, might these gifts bring encouragement and hope and love to each one. We ask this in Jesus' name.